Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 17. The Beginning Welcome home! My family welcomed me with hugs and smiles. I missed you, my husband said. Home is not the same without you. Thanks, I replied. It's good to be back. They wanted to hear all about the retreat, and I referred to my note sharing all the parts that I thought they'd like, while concealing all the parts that I thought they'd reject. It was awesome. I'm really glad I went, I said. I realized that I've lost my voice. And I'd like to try to get it back, I dared to add. I was relieved when no one mocked or criticized me for my declaration. My shoulders relaxed a little. This is going to be okay, I thought, or at least hoped. One unexpected downside of attending the retreat was that now my mom was aware of my secret struggle with depression and also informed my father. Now they wanted to fix me too. They visited often with a look of expectation in their eyes that I would flip a switch and suddenly be all better. At this point, I didn't know what works to overcome depression, but I did know a few things that did not work. Telling me that I shouldn't be depressed didn't help. Reminding me of all the wonderful things I should be grateful for and that I had no reason to be depressed didn't help. My problem was not that I was blind or that I had lost my memory. Telling me how wonderful I was and trying to build me up was the worst thing of all. Compliments were excruciatingly painful. My mind rejected them as lies. I thought that either you're lying to me or you were making fun of me or that you were deceived by my play acting and that if you only knew the truth, you would see that I was a fraud. I endured their well-meaning visits with polite detachment and wondered if letting my secret slip out had been a big mistake. My first mentoring appointment wasn't until the following week, but I didn't want to lose the momentum from the retreat. I wanted to get started right away, so I tried to do some of the things that I could remember from the lessons on my own. I continued with the declarations each morning and had a few more complete conversations, but I couldn't think of anyone else I needed to talk to. I thought I'd try the scripture instant messaging that Suzanne had taught. The first step was to choose an inspired religious text like the Bible, Torah, or Quran to read. Although we may understand the nature of God differently, he knows we're all speaking to the same being whether we recognize it or not. 
I chose a religious text from the scriptural canon of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints called the Book of Mormon. I loved it because it speaks so clearly and was easy to understand. I downloaded the free LDS Gospel Library app onto my phone, which also included a notebook tool that I could use to write my notes, and turned to a random chapter. I opened the notebook tool and wrote, What am I supposed to do next? How do I heal? How do I get happy? Said a prayer and hoped that this experiment would give me some answers. I was blown away as I read through the chapter. The answers started coming in the very first verse. I paused and wrote the answers and impressions that came to my mind in the notebook tool. I read the next verse and stopped again to write in the notebook the thoughts and impressions that came. I was going along well until a verse made me stop and think. It said, The Lord was with thee, and thou knowest that the Lord did deliver thee. I felt like it applied to me somehow, but I couldn't figure out how, since it was phrased in the past tense, and I was asking for help now. I'm not healed yet. What does it mean by did deliver thee, I wonder? I pondered until the memory resurfaced of the day I was sobbing in the car on the way home from dropping my daughter off at school. I had asked for help and had felt a measure of calmness comfort me. Well, what do you know? I guess he did deliver me, I thought. I wrote about the experience in my notes. Perhaps... I hadn't been as abandoned as I thought. I felt my anger towards God abate ever so slightly. When I finished reading through the chapter, I went back and reread all the notes I had written. There was a note written after nearly every verse. Messages of peace, of comfort, assurance of God's confidence in me, counsel about the law of the harvest, Counsel to keep God's commandments and to trust in Him. Counsel to move forward and act. A warning to watch out for pride and boasting in my own strength. It was as if this chapter was included just to speak to me personally. And yet, as I reread it without the template of my question in mind, it was just an account of a father giving counsel to his son. The following day, Filled with the confidence of yesterday's success, I tried the scripture instant messaging again, turning to the following chapter and writing my next question in my notebook tool. I am supposed to be setting goals. What do I need most? What should I be seeking? What should I be changing? I said a prayer and began to read. The chapter began with, And now, my daughter Linda, I have something more to say unto thee. As I read through searching for answers, the verses opened to me, but this time, rather than words of comfort and praise, it pointed out my faults and the need to change and repent. When I finished the chapter and read through my notes, I found that I had written, This chastisement is for my good. I can't hide my crimes from God and need to acknowledge my faults. I have boasted in my own strength and wisdom. I need to be nourished by others and give heed to their counsel, and many more things. While not nearly as satisfying as yesterday's encouraging chapter, since it brought to mind my faults, 
it still felt as if it were speaking directly to me. I did ask what I needed to change. Did I expect to be told, you don't need to change a thing. You're perfect just the way you are. I pondered over my notes throughout the day. The third day, I tried again, turning to the following chapter and wrote in my notebook the question of my heart. I'm trying, but it's so hard. Harder than I imagined. I'm afraid of failing. Afraid that it won't work or won't be worth it. Is it worth it? Will you help me? I said a prayer and began to read. The chapter began with, Now, my daughter Linda, I perceive that thy mind is worried. As I read through the chapter, I didn't stop after nearly every verse to write a note. I didn't see anything that applied to me at all after that one statement in the first verse. Disappointed, I reread it and searched again. In this rereading, I still didn't see anything that seemed to apply to me, but I did notice repetitions and patterns in themes and highlighted those. One phrase that was repeated often was simply, God knoweth. I reread the chapter a third time, this time without the template of my question, to see what the chapter was talking about. After reading through the third time, I finally had my answer and wrote the following in my notes. The man speaking, named Alma, inquired diligently and learned some things, but even in that one thing he wasn't told everything. He had to continue on in faith and trust that God knows and that it will be okay. Sigh. Not the answer that I was hoping for. The answer is, be still and know that I am God. The following day, I was much more hesitant to try the scripture instant messaging experiment again. But I was bothered by something and desperately wanted guidance. The thing that bothered me was a feeling, an impression that came to my mind that I needed to write my experiences and share them. The thought filled me with horror. Me? The person who hides in the back of the room to make a quick escape before anybody asks the dreaded question, how are you? Because I have so much to hide. Me? The person who is filled with internal turmoil and feels like a fraud? I'm supposed to write my experience and bear the secrets of my soul to share with anybody who will listen? What a horrible thought! Where did it come from? Filled with trepidation, I turned to the following chapter and wrote in the notebook tool. I feel like I received inspiration and direction this morning. I want to move forward in faith. But I've been deceived before and I'm scared. How do I move forward in faith? I read through the chapter and saw absolutely nothing that applied to me. I read through a second time and again saw nothing. My confidence shattered. I questioned everything that I thought I had learned in the past few days. Was it all in my mind? Had I made up the whole thing? I was so disappointed. My deception, if it was a deception, had been a beautiful thing. How I wished that it was real, that I could ask of God 
and that he would hear me and give me answers? How could I find the words to describe the thoughts and disappointments of my heart? Dejectedly, I read through the chapter again, hoping against hope that there would be something that would validate the previous day's experiences. In this reading, although I didn't see anything that pertained to me or to my question, I did notice a pattern. A certain word was repeated over and over. It was a strange word. Requisite. What does requisite even mean, I wondered. I looked it up in a dictionary, sat back, and pondered. Then I wrote in my notebook tool. Requisite means the thing that is necessary for the achievement of a specified end. How does this apply to my question? Moving forward is requisite. There is no other way. It was not the answer I was hoping for. But it is the reason that I began writing this journal. I had no assurance of how my story would turn out. I had no assurance of how it would be received by others. All I knew was that it was requisite that I do it. And so I wrote. I didn't try the scripture instant messaging again for now. I didn't think I had a right to ask any more questions until I had acted on what I already received. Chapter 18 The First Mentoring Session Finally, the day of my first appointment arrived, and I made the 45-minute drive to my sister Suzanne's house. I was nervous. I don't like asking people for help. Somehow, needing other people makes me feel like I'm a failure because I couldn't do it on my own. Suzanne had emailed me a questionnaire a few days before with instructions to fill it out and email it back to her before our first appointment. I need to know where you're at and what you want so that I can tailor the session for your specific goals, she said. I was embarrassed as I filled out the questionnaire, feeling exposed and naked as I answered the questions. It felt like a confession of my weaknesses that I've worked so hard to hide for a very long time. But I did it and braced myself for her reaction. Suzanne welcomed me with a hug and ushered me into her office. I read through your questionnaire, and we have a lot of things to work on. But I think the best place to start is with recovering your voice, she began. After you change and regain your confidence, a lot of other things will fall into place. You'll notice that people will treat you differently, and your relationships will automatically improve. I'm going to give you a homework assignment, but first I'm going to teach you a lesson, and I want you to take good notes because you will be teaching it back to me so that I know you really understand the concept, she said. She drew two vertical lines on a page to separate the paper into three columns. The first she labeled has been, the middle column was labeled is, and the final column was labeled will be. She drew a stick figure in the center column. Okay, she began, this is where you are today. This little figure represents you. She drew a horizontal line from the stick figure that traversed into the column labeled will be and continued. This line represents the path to take you from where you are to where you want to go. These little tick marks that I'm drawing along your path represent action steps 
that are necessary to progress along that path. However, you'll notice that there is a wall between where you are and where you want to be. She pointed to the lines separating the columns. You are going to hit this wall, and it's going to be uncomfortable. I want to explain what that wall is, how it got there, and how to move past it, she said. The wall is created by your subconscious. Your subconscious is a set of automatic programs that are designed to protect you and keep you safe. They create your comfort zone. However, these programs are often faulty and need to be reprogrammed. When you try to step beyond that comfort zone, you will hit this wall and your subconscious will work very hard to tell you to come back because you are traveling to a place that is unsafe, unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and unpredictable. It will tell you that what you believe to be on the other side of that wall is a lie. The subconscious built this wall based on the evidence of past experience. You've already experienced this and even mentioned on your questionnaire, once burned, twice shy, as one of the reasons of your current state of feeling unsafe, she went on. The evidence of past experience, regardless of how miserable it may actually be, is considered safe because it is familiar, predictable, and comfortable. What has been is considered truth by your subconscious, and what you want is considered a lie. As you work toward your goal and hit that wall, your subconscious will try to protect you by telling you to come back to where it's safe. Does that make sense? I nodded. Okay, the only way to get past this wall is by continuing to take those action steps toward your goal. As you take those new action steps, it will create new evidence that your subconscious can assimilate. What was once unfamiliar and uncomfortable will become familiar and comfortable, and your subconscious can reprogram itself with this new evidence of what is safe, she said. If you keep going, you can get past this wall, she promised. However, if you stop and turn back when it gets uncomfortable, you will only validate and add to the stockpile of subconscious evidence that insists that this wall, which keeps you from reaching your goal, is necessary for your safety, she warned. It will actually strengthen that wall and make it more difficult to traverse in future attempts. You mentioned in your questionnaire that you have a tendency to start things and not finish them, she added. That is probably because you hit this wall and your subconscious told you to stop and go back to where it was safe. Okay, now teach me this concept that I just explained, she instructed. I explained about the wall, where it came from, and how to get past it, feeling confident in my understanding of the concept. Very good, she said. Now, let's move on. She drew a cartoon outline of a person. Do you remember how we talked about the positive and negative energy balance at the retreat? Yes, I replied. Good, she said. So, you know, we have positive and negative energy in our bodies, she said, as she drew little plus signs and negative signs inside the cartoon drawing. And the goal is to remove negative and add more positive. Yes, I remember that, I said. Excellent, she said. Then she drew a circle divided in half by a horizontal line. 
On the top half, she wrote the word conscious, and on the bottom half, she wrote the word subconscious. Okay, do you also remember how we talked about the conscious and subconscious parts of the mind, she said. Yes, I replied. Good, she said. This line between the conscious and subconscious represents a filter that exists between them. When we hear things that we don't believe or that aren't safe, they hit that filter and bounce right back out again. They never enter the subconscious because they are rejected. This can be a problem when we say our declarations because they are things that our subconscious rejects as being lies and it doesn't have a lot of effect. They're still good and eventually will get through, but it takes a long time. Music, however, she said, gets through that filter and enters the subconscious much quicker. Music is an incredibly powerful tool to help reprogram our subconscious and reset that filter. Got it? Okay, now teach this back to me, she instructed. I explained the concepts back to her as I understood them. Good, she said. So, for your assignment this week, I want you to choose three songs with positive lyrics. These must be songs that speak to you and mean something to you. I want you to print out a copy of the lyrics and email them to me by Wednesday at noon. Okay, I thought, so far so good. I can do that. Then you're going to sing these songs out loud. Sing all the words and sing as if it's talking to you. Sing one song each day, rotating through the three songs. I also need you to send me a recording of you singing one of those songs by Friday at noon, she instructed. Panic set in. Um, not only is that terrifying because I have a choir voice, not a solo type voice, but I don't know how to send a recording of a song, I replied. She taught me how to download a phone app to record my voice and then send it as a text. Dang. Okay, she said. You can choose any songs you'd like. I thought of a song that might work for you. It's called Brave by Sarah Bareilles. Oh, I love that song, I said. Good, she replied. Here's a copy of the lyrics. We're going to sing it together now. Chapter 19. Brave. My panic and embarrassment heightened, but I stood by her as she held up the lyrics and turned on the music. Everybody's been there. Everybody's been stared down by the enemy, fallen for the fear and done some disappearing, bowed down to the mighty. Don't run. Stop holding your tongue. Maybe there's a way out of the cage where you live. Maybe one of these days you can let the light in. Show me how big your brave is. Say what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave. I've heard the song many times, but the only words I really understood were the chorus. As I read and sang the words with my sister, I couldn't believe how well they matched my story. Tears streamed down my face, and there were a couple times when I couldn't even get through the words, I just sobbed instead. Even though I sounded horrible, that was a pretty powerful experience. After we finished the song, she gave me the rest of my assignment for the next two weeks until the next mentoring session. 
she gave me two tracking sheets. One was an action step tracking form with four columns. The first column was for the date, the second was for the action step, in my case, singing a song, and the third and fourth columns simply said did and did not. Each day you record the date and the action step and either mark the column saying that you did it or did not do it. Every night you'll take a picture of this form and text it to me. Do you know how to send a picture on your phone? She asked. Yes, I can do that, I replied. Good, she went on. Now, on this second form, you record two successes and accomplishments that you did each day. I only need to see this form once a week. Take a picture of it and text it to me on Friday night or Saturday morning. Okay, I think I got it, I said, marking each sheet with the appropriate instructions. When I got home, I immediately started researching song lyrics to see which three I should choose. I definitely wanted Brave by Sarah Bareilles. After reading through the lyrics to several songs, I decided to choose Try Everything by Shakira and Roar by Katy Perry as the other two. I printed off the lyrics and emailed a copy to Suzanne. I was feeling pretty good about the progress of the day, until I hit that emotional wall that Suzanne had warned me about. One of my grown daughters was visiting and had asked about my mentoring session. I pulled out my notes and was explaining what I'd learned. Then suddenly, my husband interrupted us to ask a question. Just a minute, Dad, my daughter said. Mom is teaching me about her hoogee-poogee. I froze. I couldn't believe she just used that term. And in front of Lewis, too, I thought. She's not interested in what I'm learning. She's making fun of me. To my husband's credit, he defended me by saying, Whatever she's doing seems to be making a difference. I think it's a good thing. Although I appreciated his supportive words, they weren't enough to mend the tear in my soul. Even as it was happening, the logical side of me recognized that my mountain response didn't match the molehill offense but my emotions were overpowering. It literally felt like my life and my very existence were being threatened. I don't have words to adequately convey how badly that hurt. I had lost my voice. I usually stayed silent because I was afraid that no one cared what I think anyway or that they would mock me. I had taken the risk to speak up and share something that was important to me. And my fears were once again validated. It was as if I had removed my armor and exposed the tender flesh, only to have it flayed from my bones. I excused myself and went to my room, where I sobbed hysterically. I can't do this. I'm not safe. It's all a lie, I cried. My words will never have value. No one will ever value me. I need my walls to protect me. I have to turn back. I thought that I understood the lesson about the subconscious building a wall to protect me from moving forward. But I had no idea how very real that wall was. 
I remembered my assignment to sing a song. So, I pulled out my lyrics and played the song on my phone while I sobbed my way through Try Everything by Shakira. I messed up tonight. I lost another fight. I still mess up, but I'll just start again. I keep falling down. I keep on hitting the ground. I always get up now to see what's next. Birds don't just fly. They fall down and get up. Nobody learns without getting it wrong. I won't give up. No, I won't give in till I reach the end. And then I'll start again. Though I'm on the lead, I want to try everything. I want to try even though I could fail. After singing it through three times, I felt calm enough to function again. I knew my response had hurt my daughter's feelings, and I felt terrible about that. She had written a sweet apology note, which I found tucked in my mentoring notes, and although I appreciated the effort, I also didn't believe a word of it. It's so much easier to believe negative than positive. I gave her a hug. I'm so sorry. I don't have a very thick skin right now, I said. Before going to bed, I filled in my personal tracking form and texted a picture to Suzanne. I made it through the first day. I had no idea it would be this hard. The rest of the week was a mixed bag. I wasn't in a deep depression, but it wasn't good either. I tried to speak up a few times, but my ideas were shot down and questioned. I hosted a small party, which is always terrifying to me because I'm afraid no one will show up. It wasn't very well attended, but those who did come had a great time and didn't want to leave. So I'm not sure if it was a failure because some people didn't come, or if it was a success because those who did come really enjoyed it. Another day, I was at an extended family gathering, and all I wanted to do was escape. It took a lot of effort to engage in polite conversation. I endured for long enough to hopefully be inconspicuous before I made my escape. I tried to keep it together, but I could feel the tears welling up inside. I have kept the tears at bay for five days now. I survived another day, I thought. I just want to give up. Sticking my neck out is too painful. I want to retreat to where it's safe. However, I continue to say my morning declarations, sing my song, write two successes, fill out my tracking forms, and return and report each day. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. The next section is available on the following podcast. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon, and the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork Hope for Healing, Linda Bjork Two Good Things, and Linda Bjork, Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Nguyen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy.
See you next time on Linda's Corner.